and welcome into episode number 39 of We Went Blues, episode 39, Jax. Uh, Doug Waite or Kelly Chase, which uh, which guy rings a bell more when you're 39? Ooh, um, if, if they're going to tell me about it, it would be uh, Kelly Chase, but uh, oh, for sure. playing, with, playing with Dougie Waite, uh, number 39 is, uh, is him. Definitely, definitely. Well, welcome into episode number 39, and we hope that everyone's uh, safe. Uh, we did not do a podcast last week and for obvious reasons and we just Jax and i hope that uh, everybody is staying quarantined uh Jax, i know that uh, you've been inside and and uh with your kids same here and uh <laughs> i feel like I, sometimes i just want to jump in the car and go for a spin yeah i've taken a few slashes off the uh the shins for my son and i, I think most of them are on purpose because he's getting sick of me but uh yeah we're <laughs> uh we're hunkered down just hoping everybody's doing the same and uh and staying safe right now our guest is joey vitale in this podcast he's of course the blues color analyst on the radio side 101 espn and we'll bring him in in just a minute we'll talk about what a week it's been life of course the nhl sports everything has come to an absolute halt how are we handling this how's joey handling he's such a passionate guy uh, who's always bouncing off the walls i can't imagine uh, how he's handling it but we'll find out in just a minute also what does it mean for the nhl jacks will we have a season what will it look like when they return, if they return? And it doesn't matter uh, if this break's uh, good or not. It's a health crisis. But uh, that said, how will it affect the St. Louis Blues and Vladimir Tarasenko in particular? He was ready to come back from his uh, shoulder surgery. Uh, was probably going to play on this road trip, Craig Berube said. But, of course, with no hockey, that's put on hold. How is that going to benefit him? But without further ado, we want to bring in none other than Joey Vitale. Joey, how you doing? JR Jackson, I'm doing terrific, and I appreciate you guys having me on. And I figure this week it's going to be bottom of the barrel. You got me, unfortunately, for your listeners, but we're going to have some fun, I think. I think you're number one on the list here. <laughs> so, Joe, how you been doing? Uh, baby, uh, new baby girl in the in the house, Birdie, and uh, a couple other kids that are, uh, you know, tugging in your uh, your your pants and 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 trying to get your attention all the time. You know what? It's been a a crazy couple weeks, I will say. And but I also feel at the same time, you know, Jacks. Like I think you could probably uh, resonate with this as well. Uh, I, I talked to a lot of my friends who are clearly struggling. I mean, these are men and women that work, you know, 365 days a year. They get the weekends off, and and so this is a this quarantine, this two this two week phase has been a lot for them. But I think like players you know, Jax, this is what we were made for. This is what we were built for. I mean, you know, we, we, we played a sport our entire lives where if you're on a bad team, like I was some years, you had six months off straight where you're home every single day with your wife and your kids and you're pitching in around the house and you're doing what your wife needs you to do. And you're uh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Uh, and then the kids are constantly bugging you, you know, chipping at you, whacking you in the, in, in the basement, playing hockey. You got your daughter who wants to play dress up. Uh, my son just called um, our dog a jerk. The other day, so clearly stress and anxiety <laughs> is rising from the kids on up. Uh, but you know, it's the stuff that I think feel like we've dealt with throughout the summers. Uh, it's just, it's, I will say, it's different uh, in one way, and that's that you you just don't have really anything else happening around you. I mean, we're used to being home and having sports go on. I mean, it's the time for the Masters, uh, playoffs around the corner for hockey. Uh, you know, baseball is coming on. You're getting excited about going to the ballpark. So not having sports. I mean, I, I know about you guys, but that's one area I certainly have taken for granted. Just flipping on the tube and seeing a sport chain or going downtown to catch a Cardinals game. I mean, those are the little things I think we all as humans right now just so took for granted that I truly do miss. 
Joey, your wife just had uh, the little one, uh, Birdie, as, as Jack's mentioned. I don't know how much of the news she's watching these days, maybe just uh, wandering around the house there. What if you told her that the season did resume? It, it's going again. What would, how would that play out? Well, it's funny. We were, we were talking earlier, and, you know, we were mentioning how, gosh, you know, it'd be nice to get on a road trip and get some sleep or just kind of break this routine, this monotonous routine a little bit. And in my wife, I don't know, a lot of wives are like this, like hockey wives, and certainly some are not. Some are very in tune with their husbands, and my wife was never that way. I mean, she'd come to games, she'd stay for a period, she'd have a hot dog and a beer, then she'd go home. She didn't really know how I played. She didn't care about minutes. She didn't know about plus minuses. She, you know, if I told her I was a 60% faceoff percentage, she would have no idea what that means. So my wife has always been very out of touch with that, which has been really healthy for our relationship, because I can just keep hockey at hockey, and I could always just come home and just enjoy my family time. And we were joking that, uh, with all this downtime needed in road trips that would be great to have right now, I think I could actually tell her that the season is back on tomorrow and I could like <laughs> say I'm going to D.C. or Florida or California for like a Western uh, California hockey swing. She would have no idea that the games were actually either on or off and I could just take like a two-week hiatus somewhere. So if you, if you told your wife that you were uh, you were Wayne Gretzky, she might actually believe you. <laughs> well, she'd probably say something like, "Show me the money uh, to prove that one," which, of course, I can't I can't back that up uh, as, as much at all. But uh, oh man, it's funny. So if your wife, if you were just hunkered down in the uh, in the garage, you, you know, you put a bed in there, you, you know, a couple of loaves of bread and the, uh, a few bottles of alcohol, she wouldn't know that you were gone for a couple of weeks. Seriously, <laughs> she wouldn't. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, obviously I, I have a very big passion for, for baking bread of all things. But like sourdough bread where it's like, it, it, I mean, it is a... Um, it's a critical like step-by-step process. Temperature is important. Timing is important. And it's like an all-day thing. And it, it's just a hobby of mine. And, and I would encourage anyone out there, uh, if you're ever thinking about a hobby, like now is the time. Because if I didn't have like bread and mixing like yeasty things together, and I'm sh- sharing this, this stuff with my kids right now. If I didn't have that, I mean, these days would be a lot longer than they are. So if you're into golf, if you're in any outdoor activities, find something inside maybe that you've been wanting to work on. I know it sounds silly, but like the woodwork, a lot of guys like woodwork. They want to build stuff like go get some wood from a store and just start to start hacking away at stuff. You never know where to lead you. Joey, I want to support local. Are you having curbside service with the bread? Can I swing by later? You know what? I thought about doing that, but then my wife's like, Joe, you can't give out bread to people. Like this is like a pandemic. Everyone's supposed to stay inside. They're actually kind of like starting to people are stopping to go do curbside pickup from restaurants. So I didn't know how that would be, but if I ever feel comfortable and enough people would want it, I, I tell you what, I would just give it away. I mean, for me, it's just exciting that more people would want it. And I would just set up a little stand, uh, have my kids work and uh, they'll probably work for tips and, at this point, they probably could use a little money for their college education, uh, given everything that's happened. And so, yeah, I, w- I would sell you some bread, JR. <laughs> Joey, how did you actually get into the bread making? You call it a hobby, but, you know, it, it has to run in the family, grandma or something, Anona. What's, uh, how, did, how did you get into that? Yeah, so it's a good question. It, it kind of goes back to my childhood where, you know, my grandparents were from Italy and my, my Nana would, would bake a lot of bread. I remember just being a youngster over at the house and, and just seeing her knead the dough and, and just seeing her use her hands in like such an organic way of like um, making, it, making flour, water, and salt. I mean, three of the most basic ingredients on this earth. It's just wheat, water, and salt. Everything that God's given us, uh, you get it together 
in a timely way and there's a process about it and then you can make full loaf of bread that's like <clears throat> excuse me enriching nutritious and the thought of taking those basic ingredients and making something so great that brings people together and so happy there was just something about it. i just fell in love with it at a very young age and it wasn't until of course i'm, I'm baking bread here and there as, as a kid and growing up into a, an adult and adolescence but it wasn't really until i got hurt my final year in arizona i got you know i broke about four bones in my face and i had a lot of concussion issues on my last fight in my last game in october 2015 I became a really uh, big narcolep. Like I, I couldn't sleep because of my head injury and my head trauma for like months and months and months. And then of course I was on like a lot of opioids, of course, for the pain in my face, which I eventually got off of those, but that kind of messes with your sleep as well. So there was like a half a year to a year there stretch where I would go to bed at like 10 PM. I wake up at like midnight, like two hours later and just be up all night. So I really decided like, hey, I got to find something to keep me busy in the middle of the night that's quiet. It's not going to disturb my wife and my kids upstairs uh, that I can do in my house. And so I really kind of re-fell in love with bread and I kind of took it to another level with sourdough and like natural yeast. Uh, from there, I went to San Francisco. I, I did like this. Uh, it's called a stage. It's basically like an apprenticeship where I found like the best baker out in San Francisco. And I basically wrote to him. I said, hey, I'll come out to San Francisco. I will bake I want to bake bread with you. I want you to show me how to bake the best sourdough bread. You don't owe me anything. I'll, I'll pay for my stay, uh, everything. So he he took me in. I slept in my truck some nights because we would pull all like 20-hour days sometimes. And I just learned how to bake sourdough bread. And I just fell in love with the process. I love everything about it. And it's just such a great hobby. I love the hobby, especially because you can do it, but then you can do it around your family. Like, you know, Jax, you and me, we have very young kids. JR, you too. Uh, there's something about hobbies when you have younger kids because – um, there's always that pull. Like you always feel guilty at times, like going, having a golf trip every now and then, or like going out with your buddies, or if you have a hobby that pulls you away, like hunting or fishing. But you know, one of the things I love about bread is I can do it in my house around my kids. So it really is enriching to me, but it also, I can be present as a father and a husband during this time when they're so young. And then not to mention, it just produces, um, nutritious and rich bread that provides health for, for people. And, and you share it with people. I love giving my bread away. And, it's just, it became a therapy all the way from the, back in 2015 when I got hurt. And I just continued to continue to bake today. Jax, I don't know if you've uh, been out to dinner with Joey. 15 years on the beat, I thought that I knew all the hot spots around the league, but uh, he takes the radio job and now he's taking us out to these authentic <laughs> Italian spots. Joey, I think we were in uh, Toronto. We had about 10 of us sitting around the table. And of course, you're telling everybody what to order because you know what's good. And I remember uh, the lady, I'd ordered a noodle dish, a pasta dish, and uh, she said, uh, now you don't want to put Parmesan on this. And I said, I'm, I put Parmesan on my cereal. I'm going to put Parmesan <laughs> on this, I know. But but you were telling me why why you don't do it. What, what, what dish particular was it, JR? Remember? Yeah, I have to remember. But uh, it was uh, just thick, thick sauce, uh, white, white sauce and uh, pasta. But uh, they were saying that it would just be too rich. It'd be too much if you put uh, the Parmesan on there. You know what I think it was? I think they had actually Pecorino Romano, which that was the cheese it had. And uh, I think you may have had something salty in there as well. So with Pecorino, uh, is a little different than Parmesan. Parmesan is like everyone knows Parmesan Reggiano. It comes from the, 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 the uh, region of Parma in Italy. And that's a very uh, mildly salty cheese from sheep's milk. But uh, Pecorino Romano is more from the Roman region. When it's a lot saltier, it comes from a different kind of um, type of, of milk and cheese. So it's saltier, so it has a sharper aged flavor. I think that what they were probably telling you was 
that this the the sauce or the dish it may have had some bacon or pancetta or guanciale in it it's already salty enough so if you add more cheese to that it's just gonna like the, the salt's just gonna explode in your mouth it might just be too much i would imagine that's probably what they're talking about but and that's why i go to these italian restaurants and i and i just i always feel like i just got order for people because i want your experience i know it's, it sounds very controlling but this is what italians do like that you sit down and they say, hey, you know, he'll have this, she'll have that, bring three appetizers of this, we'll have some calamari, maybe some burrata, and just, because you, you know, because you have that that insight to what will go good with what, which wine will be paired great with that, and you want everyone's experience to be true and good, and you know if they just, I guess we don't trust other people to order their own food, I guess that's what it comes down to. <laughs> So I think we just found your your new hobby. I think you're gonna have a cooking channel during the uh, <laughs> little hiatus here. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna call you on Facetime tomorrow. You're gonna give me a little tutorial on uh, how to make some some pasta. I'll watch you make it, and I'll just drink the wine in my own. <laughs> happily, happily. <laughs> so what else uh, do you have? Do you have any tips for anybody, uh, you know, stuck in their house with their with their young kids? What are some things that uh, your family's been doing besides the uh, hockey in the basement or, uh, you know, putting uh, letting your daughter put makeup on you? What, uh, what do you got going that, uh, you know, maybe a Netflix, uh, you know, binge or, or something like that? You know what, to me right now, I mean, this is going to change week to week. But I mean, next week, I already have everything mapped out as far as what work we're going to get done around the outside of the house. The, the next week, for example, in St. Louis, it looks like it's mid 60s, not too much rain. It's going to be a perfect week, I think, to get a lot of stuff done on the house, uh, Jackson JR. And, you know, this is the stuff that when the season's going, if you need mulch, maybe you call the mulch guy. Or if you need, um, you know, dink of flowers or, you know, pansy flowers or whatever, you maybe you call the neighbor, have your mother-in-law come over and do it. To me now, we're doing it. I'm getting the kids. We're, we're getting a, a huge truckload of mulch dropped off. I'm picking up some shovels. We're getting some wheelbarrows, and we're kind of we're kind of taking a flash back in time, like three thousand years ago. I mean, this is how families were functioned. This is how they ran. You wake up and you work on your house or you work on your farm. And you know, next week we're gonna spend it uh, mulching the yard. Uh, I'm gonna get a power washer. I'm gonna power wash my siding. We got some paint touch-ups we're gonna do. The kids are gonna kind of help out. So, um, you know, I know that I know it's it, it's 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 goofy and it's fun because I believe me, I'm the first one to say that I've played board games until I'm about to drop. I can't take any more hacks off the shins and, and street hockey. But at the end of the day, too, there is a there's a great kind of silver lining in all this where we really can slow things down and kind of get rooted to how how things used to be and how we as fathers um, used to kind of handle the household and how we had kids pitch in and understand what it is about work. If you're digging in the dirt and you come across a roly poly, you know, let's slow down. Let's learn about this roly poly. Let's, let's, we have great technology now. We can learn about pretty much anything. What makes a roly poly roll up? I mean, little things like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's all comes down to one thing. We've been gifted uh, this idea of slowing down. We're not in a rush anymore. We don't need to get the kids out by 8 a.m. to get to school. We don't need to get to the rink for the hear the coach talk by 10 a.m. We can officially slow this thing down. So I'm prepared just to take full advantage of that and um, just kind of learn along the way. And I think what, what a lot of fathers and parents out there will learn that throughout this, we feel like we're going to do this for our kids. But I actually feel like this is going to be better for us um, in the long run as well. 
That's going to be great, Joey. Hey, you're talking about power washing the house. I can picture uh, that scene over there. You say, hey, kids, we're going to power wash uh, the side of the, the, the house here. And they say, Dad, we don't want to. Dad, we don't want to. And you say, hey, do you know I was traded for Pavel Datsuk? <laughs> How many hey, people have you not told that to? You know what? I, I always actually hate telling people that because they always kind of give me the look and then it just humbles me very quickly. And then they always follow that up with, well, there must have been something else involved. And I got to get in the whole story about how basically they owed Datsuk like $11 million and, and Arizona was like <laughs> $15 million below the floor or else they were going to get penalized. And then it makes me look like more of an idiot. So I've actually learned just to be proactive about it and not even bring it up. <laughs> It is pretty cool uh, trivia question, though. It's, you're the only guy in the history of the NHL who got traded for Pavel Datsuk, right? <laughs> I mean, it was, and that was a funny story. And, you know, it's it's kind of how a lot of players, we all see it now. With social media and Twitter, players find out through Twitter and social media, I feel like, more now than they do from their agents or from their general managers. I was sitting down back in 2016 and I'm sitting on my couch, it's it's around the draft, maybe a day before, and I'm watching golf, and all of a sudden the ticker on ESPN comes down, and it just says NHL News, and they start throwing out some trades, and, and then I see Arizona pop up. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. I, I, I probably know this guy because I'm a part of the Coyotes. And then it says forward. I'm like, okay. I'm watching this thing slide across the screen. And I'm like, Joe. I'm like, okay, there's only one Joe on that team I know. And it's like Joe Vitale. I'm like, oh, my God. And then I'm watching like who I'm getting traded for like on pins and needles. And it says to Detroit Red Wings. I'm like, okay. And then it says for Pavel Dotsuk. I knew right away this has got to be a typo. There's no way this is real. And then sure enough, uh, Elaine Waugh, my agent here in St. Louis, he called me. And, you know, Al, he's like, hey, Joe, uh, you know, Arizona, they uh, texted, traded you away there. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just saw it. Thanks. Uh, but, yeah, it was, um, it was certainly a, a good trivia question that not a lot of people would get right. Yeah, it's incredible with all the insiders and all the scoops and everybody digging and social media, like you mentioned. Uh, there could be a guy that, uh, you know, finds out, yeah, just like you did uh, on the ticker. Is there any uh, stories of a, of a trade happening that uh, around the league uh, that maybe you can share that were kind of off the wall that you, you thought was uh, kind of probably the, the most unique way of, uh, of finding out? Um, you know, I without thinking too uh, too much time to get prepared about it. I mean, there certainly were a ton of one I'm thinking of. Uh, I do remember one time in Arizona. This was the year uh, you guys remember. I forget what year it was now, but it was basically the sweepstakes for Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. Every team that was below uh, out of the playoffs at Christmas was pretty much blown it up. I mean, give me an example. We had Devin Dubnik on our Coyotes team. He was our backup to Mike Smith. We were not very good that year, but Dubnik was like our, our, our savior. He was 11 and like two at the time, a great save percentage, and he was really the only bright spot. We come to the rink one day, and all of a sudden, Dubnik's gear is gone. And we're like, where's Doobie? And everyone's like, oh, he, he just got traded. And we're all like, but he's our best player. Where did he go? Like, you know what I mean? It was kind of one of those weird kind of feelings. But, I mean, it kind of gives you a little insider an example to um, why and what general managers were trying to do. They were, if you were good, on those teams, they were getting rid of you because they needed they needed to be very bad that year because Connor McDavid was going to switch around an organization and turn a franchise up on its head like we've seen in Edmonton. So it was that deadline day in Arizona. I mean, we had players, uh, Martin Hansel. We had Mahalik um, um, uh, Z. We had Keith Yandel. We had Antoine Vermette. And we were in complete sell mode. Don Maloney knew it. 
Uh, it was the deadline day. We were all at a birthday party for Marty Erat. Uh, one of, I don't know if you play with him in Nashville, uh, Jax, but Marty Erat had a, um, a, a birthday party, I believe, at like a bouncy house. And we're all, all the dads are there, all the wives are there, all the kids are running around. And it was just like pins and needles. Everyone was there, but everyone knew like at any moment we would get some news. Sure enough, um, Keith Yandel, we just see him step out on the phone. He's talking outside. He comes back. He goes, I just got dealt to, uh, to Rangers. And we're like, oh, my God. It was just like, oh, it felt so bad. And like, oh, my, we're going to miss our buddy. It was all the emotions. And then all of a sudden, uh, Z comes in here. And then, of course, you remember this. And Z gets traded to St. Louis. And everyone's like, oh, my God. And then uh, Antoine Vermette comes back in. He's like, hey, boys, I'm out of here. Like, oh, my God, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to Chicago. We're like, oh, crap. You know, like, it was like. Uh, the dominoes, like one after another after another. And um, to me, that was the craziest probably deadline story that I was ever able to participate in. Um, of course, you felt great for Antoine Vermette. He went out to win a cup that year. Uh, he's such a great, just a great human being in general. But uh, that, that was that was one of the crazier ones. And uh, it, it's just become even more and more crazy now with, with social media, like you mentioned, because um, the drama and uh, the rumors, and it just kind of builds and builds and builds. And, um, but no, that was, that was certainly one of the, the more weirder moments I remembered. Hey, Joey, you know, this podcast wouldn't be legit if uh, I didn't ask uh, two questions in one. First, you got to tell Jax why you call me two questions, Rutherford. <laughs> hey, wait, Jax has to know by now. I mean, he's in the presses <laughs> with you, but I, you know, I, Jax, you know how it is. Like we're in these locker rooms and we, we, we just, it's funny how quickly you pick up on other people's quirks and like kind of kind of personality traits and we start imitating each other. Quirk, huh? You know what I mean? So we're just like, as soon as I got <laughs> this job becoming a broadcaster, I immediately like listen to people ask questions and just kind of what they do. Like everyone knows Andy Strickland's kind of got that strut, like he owns the Enterprise Center. He's walking around like he owns the place. <laughs> everyone sees Scoops. that, right? <laughs> yeah, everyone knows Scoops. He's like he owns the place. So like little things like that. And one thing that always stuck out about JR was that he every time he raised his hand to ask a coach something, he'd always start by saying, uh, hey, hey, Craig, I just two two quick questions here for you. The first one is this. <laughs> and he always say the first one. And then and then he'd always follow it up with and the second question I have after that is and he always say the next question. And I honestly got ninety percent of the time the coach would answer the first question and then he'd always say the same thing. Um, what, what was the second part of the question? And he had to repeat the second part of the question. And, and I, and I, I've always wondered why, but you know, I think, you know, JR doesn't, he doesn't like flood the presser with questions like some people can do. Some people ask like 10 questions and he's more respectful of the coach's time. But when he does get the mic, he wants to, he's got a lot on his mind. He wants to try to get out as much as he can when he's got the, when he's got that platform. Get it all out at once. All right. Well, I'm gonna let's let's try this out. I'm gonna ask you two questions and see if you can remember the second okay. one by the time you Go. get done answering the first Go. one. Okay. So the first one is year two in the booth. What's it been like? You had the famous call at the Stanley Cup with Curbs. Uh, this is not a dream. This is real life, St. Louis. Uh. Hopefully, we can play that later in the podcast. And my second question: After you guys leave, you and Curbs, sometimes I sneak in there and, and steal a beer or two out of that cooler. Are you okay with that? Uh, okay, so the first question of the year two has been um, – it's been a lot of fun. But it, listen, it's been a while though too. I mean I'm not going to sit here and say that it was been like year one because it certainly has. In some ways it's been so much greater. I feel so much more confident. I feel like <clears throat> I'm kind of – my voice is evolving. Curbs and I have been together that much longer. So we're, our, our chemistry is, is a lot of fun and we're both very quirky. And, and I think that I, I like to think that the broadcasts and the games have been a lot more entertaining hopefully for the fans – 
Um, you know, you're a lot more comfortable. You're comfortable with the players. You're comfortable with the coaches. It makes your job a lot easier. You get into a much better routine in year two. Uh, the team has been terrific from the start of the season, which makes my job, everyone's job, a lot easier. I mean, my year one, that month of October and November, that was a tough stretch to come into any job brand new. But I had to basically, you know, make chicken salad out of you know what, because I'm here. I am. I, I always want to like protect the players as well and, and help listeners I think understand what a player was thinking on a specific play. And that was hard to do because the team was so bad at that time. So finding that balance was hard. So uh, the team being better in year two certainly has helped me out tremendously. You know, there, there, there also has been some, some tougher angles in year two. I mean, listen, this is a good problem to have, but this, this, our, our group of guys, we've been around each other so much going all the way back to last June, we finished. It's been party after party after party. And then we come right back in August and we start all brand new again. It's like there wasn't even an off season. So I, I, I could see myself at times being really worn down on these road trips or showing up to a game uh, where you want to have good energy, but you just you feel deflated some nights because you just feel like you never really got a break. Uh, and I think if the Blues would have lost, even though they played in June, it would have felt like much longer of an off season. But because there were so many parties, and, and again, this is a great problem to have, but because it was so busy last summer, uh, it really just, there was no break. There was no lull time where you can just kind of sit back and breathe a little bit. So we kind of just blended right into the season two. So that's been a little hard for me in adjusting to that. Uh, but trying to keep that energy and try to keep the, um, the uh, I guess, just the ambition there for the listeners has been, been a challenge for sure. Um, and then what was the second part of the question? <laughs> the second part is uh, every once in a while I sneak into that booth and you guys have oh, some uh, refreshments yeah. for the fans. Yeah. Yeah, the beer. Yeah, yeah. Please, Jr. Help yourself. Help yourself to the beer. Um, but uh, just make sure that make sure you tell Curbs because he's the boss of that booth. That's his booth. <laughs> so, Joe, you're, you're you're talking about keeping the energy up, and you're doing the uh, Blues game day live with Panger, and, and we all know, and and you could see it on on air, just the energy that he brings. But uh, how much fun are you having doing that with him? And and you 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 have any uh, uh, any quirks or any uh, impersonations of, of of Panger for us? <laughs> well, I mean, Panger's so easy to do, as JR knows. I mean, all you got to do is figure out a way to fit Wayne Gretzky into any uh, <laughs> sentence or talk about his uh, his crazy amount of wins he's accomplished in the National Hockey League or talk about how he's the second shortest goalie to ever play in the National Hockey League. So that's really easy. I mean, Panger's easy. Uh, but no, to, to your point, though, uh, you know, when, when you, whenever you start something new, uh, I think you need – good people around you. I think that's, I think that's just such a key. I think you got to learn how to do things the right way, because if you're around bad people, especially when you start something new, then you got to relearn it hopefully down the road in a better way. And, and I've been so blessed to be alongside. Um, and I'm not just saying this, but I think we all can agree that, I mean, Darren Pang from a color analyst standpoint, I, I just don't know if there is a better person in the entire national hockey league. I'm talking NBC. I'm talking all the way in uh, hockey Canada. I'm talking any any person that represents a team specific like Darren does. I think his energy, his enthusiasm is so infectious. We'll be in Edmonton in February, and we will just lose to the Oilers, and we're on the way home. Everyone's exhausted and tired. We will hop on that bus. He will get his music, his music pot out. He will start playing Bruce Springsteen. He will start dancing. He just keeps the mood so incredibly light all the time. So not only is he just such a, a dynamite uh, broadcaster as far as breaking the game down and, and always finding new things to talk about, 
but he's just, he's such a great personality where he just makes everyone around him so much better. I sit by him on the planes. Uh, there's never a dull plane ride. He's, he never shows. I mean, I know some days he has bad days, but he never shows that he's having a bad day. He, he is just a person that just brings his smile and his charisma everywhere he goes with them. And it has been such an honor to learn underneath him. But of all the things, of course, he's taught me, it, it really is about bringing that attitude to work every single day. And some days you're not going to feel like it, but, but you're there to be entertaining and to provide entertainment for the listener, for the viewer. Uh, we have such a good time on those game day lives and almost probably too much. We've kind of, I certainly have stepped over the line a couple times on those. Which he's helped me kind of reel it in a little bit, but uh, Darren has been such a good friend to me uh, throughout this process. And along with him and curbs and uh, John Kelly, it's just been, uh, it's been a fun group to learn under. Yeah, Panger definitely, like you mentioned, he, he's one of the best guys ever in the NHL, uh, broadcasting or or playing or, or just being a friend, and uh, he's definitely enjoyable. Uh, I wanted to ask you something. You know, preparing for the uh, for the podcast, I, I decided to Google Joe Vitale and and see what would pop up. Did you know that uh, there's a more popular uh, Joe Vitale than you, the Mister Fire spirit, uh, spiritual teacher, born in 1953? Yeah, so he wrote the book <laughs> The Secret, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of listeners out there probably that was a popular book like 10 years ago. Uh, essentially, essentially, it's about if you. If you believe it so deeply in your mind, it will happen. Essentially, that, that's what the secret is. So, um, it, I mean, the book's a little little kooky. Like, it almost goes to the point where if you're in a parking lot and you can't find a parking spot, uh, if you really believe it that you'll find one, one will pop up. So I don't know about all that, but uh, it's an interesting book. But, yeah, Dr. Joe Vitale wrote it, and he actually has a very famous quote in there. Uh, he said that um, uh, a, a good goal should scare you or should excite you uh, or should – excuse me. A good goal should uh, make you a little nervous, but excite you a lot. Like something along those lines. But that line is everywhere. Like that quote, people throw it up on social media like every day. So I'll randomly get people coming up to me and like, hey, Joe, love what you're doing on the broadcast, man. Go, go Blues. And hey, by the way, I love that quote. A good goal should scare you a little and excite you a lot. I'm like, I didn't say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, it is kind of a funny thing. And there's also a drummer named Joe Vitale. He has like a big mullet. I forget what band he was a part of, but there's a lot of them. Uh, I was uh, Crosby, uh, Stills, and Nash, I think it was. There you go. There you go. I actually did some homework for this one. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, before we uh, switch over and talk about the blues uh, for just a moment, Joey, I remember you were on the air, Jack, so you got to hear this. He uh, He's talking about a New Year's resolution, so we're going back to December 31st, and he says, I got to I gotta stop eating the leftovers on my kid's plate, and, and I'm like, I can follow along with this. I see what he's saying. You know, I can probably not eat that piece of pizza that my son leaves on his plate. This is a good one, Joey. And then he follows up with, I just got to stop eating all the leftover blueberries on their plate. <laughs> I'm driving down the road thinking blueberries. If I ate my kids leftover blueberries, that would be like a diet for me. <laughs> so have you held up to it? Have you, have you laid off of the extra blueberries? Um, you know what? Yeah. I've done a much better job of that. I just, yeah, I was put on the, all this excess of weight, and I, I've always found as a father, it's, oh, you guys, I mean, obviously, J.R., you have an issue there, but um, I don't know how you, uh, I don't know how you can, like, look at your kid's food that they don't finish and think, oh, I gotta, I think it's something instinctual about us, like, survival, like, kicks in, like, fight or flight from 
our ancestors were if you seafood, you better eat it because you don't know when your next meal is going to come. Of course, that's not the case anymore. But something inside my mind thinks, I don't know what I'm going to eat again. So I might as well just shovel all these things in my mouth. And I was putting on a little excessive weight, but I'm, you know, I'm trimming down. I'm trimming down, getting ready for the summer. You know, they always say summer bodies are built in the winter. So I'm trying to get a little bit tighter. I'm going to use that quote. That's the key quote, not that other one about the sea, the gold. Yeah. No, I'm going to use the quote that you don't know where the next meal's coming from, so you better eat. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But hey, guys, uh, you know, you've been reading the reports. Uh, Bill Daly's done some interviews. Uh, obviously, everybody around the league's talking about if there will be a season. Uh, and if there is, what will it look like? First, Joey, and then we'll ask uh, Jax. Uh, Joey, you think we'll play hockey again? You know, I, gosh, it's – I don't know how to answer that question. Uh, I would like to believe that um, optimistically that we, we can play this season. Uh, I know one thing. We – most teams have played 68 games. I think 68 every team has actually played, I want to say. But it's around that threshold, which to me, that's that's plenty of regular season hockey uh, to me where if you're in a playoff spot at this point, you deserve to be. And if you're not – well, you know what, you, you, you had enough games to get there. So I, I think that that's an important part of this because moving forward, if there is a season, I don't know if any more regular season games are necessary. And that's going to clean things up a lot too. That's going to make it, I think, a lot easier for for you know, Bill Daly and Gary Bettman and the owners and everyone in the Players Association to get together and say that, okay, what does this look like? If they can just eliminate the regular season and move on with playoffs, to me that's going to be step number one. Um, do you go to a four series of best of seven? I don't know if you can fit that in there, especially if we're looking more May and June now. But maybe you have a maybe you kind of switch it to baseball. I mean, being creative is something that Bill Daly and Gary Bettman have used that word a lot. We're, we're going to be creative. These are dire times, and we're going to figure out a way to make it work. So I don't think anything's off the table. Do you switch to a baseball format? Maybe a couple some um, rounds of best of five. Maybe you go best of three in the first couple. Then the, the third round's best of five, and the finals best of seven. Or, or do you go to single game eliminations? I know it sounds kooky and crazy, uh, but I can't imagine uh, every play under the microscope. I mean, that would be some exciting hockey if we went just to some one game eliminations, you know, really quickly before I hear from Jack, I spoke to Ben Lovejoy about this, uh, who was a Stanley cup champion with the Pittsburgh Penguins on my show a couple of weeks, but last week, excuse me, you know, he brought up a really good point. I, I challenged him. I said, you know, Ben, you've gone the distance. You you've risen the Stanley cup. You know what it takes, uh, the blood, the sweat, the tears. I mean, there is an integrity uh, part of all this where you have to be true, I guess, to, raising the Stanley Cup and how hard it is to win. And I thought he would kind of go along the angle, well, yeah, you know, this is this is something these players need to understand. And to award that trophy, you have to understand what it takes. And I think this would be cheating if you do shortcuts. But instead, he actually flipped it and kind of gave me a great new perspective. He said that, you know, yes, it's not going to be a full playoff format, possibly. Yes, it's not. It, you're not going to play as many games. You're not going to have as many injuries. But if you really think about it, from this downtime, when all the players are off, they're home, they can't skate. Uh, they can, of course, work out in their own homes, but they're away from each other. If a season were to come back, imagine being off for a month, coming back, all the drama, the scare in the world. You do end up playing hockey, all the emotions involved with that. He said if there was a Stanley Cup champion throughout all this, even with a shortened schedule or shortened playoff format, he feels that this would probably be the toughest Stanley Cup to win of all the Stanley Cups in the history. So when, when, when you put it like that, I think that really nothing should be taken off the table as far as figuring out a way um, to crown a Stanley Cup champion if there is enough time um, in the year to do it. 
That's a great perspective, especially coming from a player, because I was going to ask Jax, uh, Jax Joey talked about it being quirky there, but, you know, is the Stanley Cup legit if you don't play four rounds of seven? You know, I, I didn't really think about it uh, the way that Lovejoy kind of, you know, put it, that uh, this would be probably one of the most memorable, uh, uh, you know, you know, kind of uh, Stanley Cup runs. If, if, like you said, if you're off for a month, you, you you got to do all of your workouts by yourself. Uh, you take a month off of the ice, and then all of a sudden you jump into uh, to a playoffs. And you know, if it is a, a shortened, uh, you know, three best of three, best of five, every game's going to count. Uh, you don't have the luxury of uh, of losing two games in a seven game, uh, you know, series, finding your game, and then and then going. It's uh, if you have to win two games, you have, you know, I, I think. Uh, you know, Joe said it best. Every play would be under the microscope, and um, but you know, you, you kind of look at, at what the format would be. There's going to be a lot of owners that are kind of questioning uh, and and you know fighting for that uh, for that idea of getting into the playoffs. If you're sitting on the outside, you're you're going to be fighting, saying, "Hey, we need 75 games to be played." So uh, there's going to be a, a lot to figure out, and um, I, I'm I'm like Joe. I, I want to be optimistic and. and say that there's going to be hockey and uh you know we want our listeners to have uh have a little hope uh as well all right two more things guys and then we'll wrap up episode number 39 the uh kelly chase or doug wait episode depending on who you ask Uh, joey uh the blues they were in the midst of playing nine and 16 looked a little bit tired obviously nobody wanted this to happen what's happened will the break be good for them and are they the type of team that can kind of just turn it back on when they do play well, you know, I think it's interesting. You bring up two different points. I mean, the first one is, yes, it's going to be a long time off. Um, they were playing great hockey. Will they ruin some of that momentum? Yes. But guess what? Everyone else is going through the exact same thing. So I think that's going to be a clean wash across the board. So I think for any team to say, oh, we were playing good hockey or we are playing bad hockey, is this going to help us or hurt us? You know, who really knows? I think for the Blues, you're playing good. The play stops. Oh, well, get over it. Uh, it's just the way it is around the National Hockey League. So that's number one. I think the more important thing is, the second part you brought up, that this is a team going back to last Christmas that was the laughing stock of hockey. Robert Bortuzzo got in a fight with Zach Stanford. They're fighting their own team. They just lost their coach a month before. Uh, all these great expectations had just come crashing down, and they literally looked around the room, and they said, all right, guys, well, there's one way out of this mess, and it's just through us. And this is a group that came together because of adversity. So I think that if you look at Um, all this adversity around them that's happening right now. Uh, This is a group that has thrived through that adversity. They've been through very difficult times. So to me, that is going to play a huge advantage for this Blues team um, if and when this season does get, get back going again. And Jax, in Anaheim, I was in Anaheim, and Craig Bruby said there was a good chance that uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was going to be able to come back on this road trip. You know, they'd be playing in, what, uh, Florida, Carolina last night, Florida uh, this weekend. I've been asked about how this helps Tarasenko, and and my answer is, of course, the extra time is going to help a guy coming back from shoulder surgery. But here was a guy who was kind of ramping up and getting ready to uh, engage in a little more physical activity. How does this affect him? I'm assuming, bottom line, it's good for him. Yeah, uh, actually, I, I think what the uh, the schedule was for uh, for Vladdy, who was going to play in that game in Florida, and 
you know, for him, you know, shoulders are, are kind of tough. Uh, you have to you have to be strong. You, there's so many little exercises that that must be done to to keep that shoulder, uh, you know, healthy. And um, you know, I think Vladdy was kind of at that point where he was skating for so long that uh, he just wanted to get in the games, and he was fired up and and he was ready to go. He, he was he was skating well, he was shooting well, and uh, it, it would have been awesome to see him. But uh, you know, I. I th- think if he has any doubts of uh you know maybe if he was going to come back too early or if he was going to be ready I, I think if he's keeping up with those workouts and uh he's only going to get stronger I think his mind's going to be you know more into the game and and easier uh to kind of say that his shoulder is good and and I think it really will be a uh a, a kind of a you know good extra rest and, and extra rehab time for him Ladies and gentlemen, Pavel Detsuk somewhere is telling people I was traded for Joey Vitale, I'm sure. Right, Joey? Bam. I mean, I can't think of a better way to top this whole thing off, fellas. It's been great. <laughs> Joey, thanks a lot. This has been great. <laughs> we really hey, appreciate you, it. And, I appreciate uh, it. I've been, I've been waiting for my debut on We Win Blues, and, <laughs> and I'm finally glad it's come. I'm going to cross this off. my. I have a little list in my room. It's the bucket list. Joey bucket list. I officially can cross off We Win Blues uh, guests on the podcast. I go, can't wait for those, uh, those those cooking uh, tutorials here uh, the next couple of days. <laughs> they're coming. They're coming out for you. Yeah, I'm coming over to get the bread this afternoon. Uh, so stay, stay safe, you guys. Uh, everybody, everybody listening to the podcast, stay inside. Uh, let's listen to what the uh, health officials are, are saying. And we're all going to get through this. And we're going to help get you through it with some articles at theathletic.com. Also uh, with the podcast each week. Don't forget, we talked, we talked about it. Uh, Bill Daly was the guest on uh, Two Man Advantage with Pierre Lebrun and Scott Burnside. You can catch that at the Athletic website. Uh, Stay tuned for more We Went Blues episodes. Remember to please rate and subscribe. We Went Blues on Apple. You can click on the show URL, theathletic.com forward slash We Went Blues, and you'll get 40% off the subscription. And for new users right now, uh, a unique opportunity, three free months. So go to The Athletic and you can get 90 days free trial at theathletic.com. We hope that you will. Uh, We're looking for uh, as many people as we can to uh, latch on to the coverage. So thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. For Barrett Jackman, for what's his, Joey Joey Vitale. Uh, This is Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic Saint. (laughs) What do you got, Joey? No, I just want to say, don't forget my name. (laughs) For Joey Vitale, who's been a great guest, we appreciate you listening to episode 39 of We Want Blues. Talk to you next week. Thank you.